Hey, thanks for joining us at Connection Point Church. You know, we would love for you to stay connected and a simple way for you to do that is to subscribe so that each week you can get notified when new content goes live. We'd also love to keep in touch with you throughout the week and the best way to do this is through our Connection Point Facebook page. Now with all that being said, let's go to this week's message from one of our pastors, Zach Rainey. I am uh, Zach Rainey. And uh, I serve on staff here at Connection Point Church. I am the oldest member of the staff here. That's not in my notes. Anyway, I, I, got to, I got to talk to you guys at the beginning of Luke chapter 22 on betraying Jesus. And I get to talk to you at the beginning of chapter 23, which I am calling judging Jesus Stacy, write that down. Judging Jesus. And I want you to know that I am not qualified to judge Jesus. You are not qualified to judge Jesus. None of the three judgments that we're going to talk about, none of those people are qualified to judge Jesus. And if at the end of this message, if you have not decided that you want to be totally surrendered to Jesus Christ as King and Lord, then I, f- I failed my job in presenting this, okay? That's what I want to do. This past week, uh, my wife and I got to go squatching in uh, North Carolina. No, r- actually, she said where we were going that there was some Bigfoot sightings and she wanted to look, but then once she saw the rattlesnake, I think she changed her mind. And we never actually got into the woods there in North Carolina, but uh, we got to visit her brother and got to put our feet in the Atlantic Ocean. It was really pretty awesome. And on our way back, uh, someone in prayer this morning mentioned about Friday night, what was your big takeaway? And I said, well, Friday night, I was up in the Appalachian Mountains in Charleston, West Virginia, standing in the lobby of Bob Evans. And... A guy in a t-shirt was getting ready to leave as we were standing to be seated and uh, he looked me up and down and said, if you get a chance, go to church. (laughs) It's okay, I always feel like you're judging me. You know why? Because I'm judging you. Um, so I, I thought it'd be really great if I would come up with some real theologically sound reply like, well, you can't go to church because the church is not a place. It's not a program. The church is a group of people who love and follow Jesus and obey him. And therefore you can't go. You know, that'd be great if I could have come up with that. But I just kind of mumbled, well, since I preach on Sunday... <laughs> I didn't have a good, it just kind of wandered off. I didn't know what to say. He moved, he moved on toward the door, but changed his mind. He came back and patted me on the shoulder and said, keep preaching the word, brother. So, so I can only guess that West Virginia does not have that many ponytailed preachers. And... I probably disappointed him by not being pagan or heathen or something like that. He probably thought I was lying. Maybe he's a liar. I know something like that. I don't know. 
But I did feel judged, and it's not a good thing to judge someone. Uh, I do it, you do it, we do it. But it's not a good thing to judge someone, especially if you don't know the truth. On our, on our vacation, you know, North, uh, North Carolina through Kentucky, West Virginia, Ohio, everywhere we were, we're, we see people. So my wife and I, we watch people. Do you watch people? You know, you're just judging. That's all that you're doing, you know. Uh, you don't know anything about them at all. So it's not a good thing to judge someone until you know the truth. So in this message this morning, I want us to examine some opinions held by people in the book of Luke, turn to chapter 23, and I want us to determine that we will not judge Jesus as these three people. I'm saying people, but the first one is a group, okay? So Luke 23, then the whole body of them got up and brought him before Pilate. That's a reference back to what Pastor Zach preached two weeks ago, Luke 22, Jesus had been arrested. Jesus had been brought before the high priests and the council uh, for fun. Go to Wikipedia, look up the list of high priests and research Annas and Caiaphas and how many people in Annas' family had served as high priest at the time of Christ. And you'll see it's a matter of control, which I'm going to refer to in a minute. Now, the whole body of the Sanhedrin got up to take Jesus, is what this verse is saying, to bring him before Pilate. So at least we know that Jesus can bring people together, at least in opposition anyway here. Verse two, and they began to accuse him saying, we found this man misleading our nation and forbidding to pay taxes to Caesar and saying that he himself is Christ a king. Three charges. And so Pilate asked him saying, are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered him and said, it is as you say, or I like the way it's translated when it says, uh, is that what you say? Do you say so? It's a question almost. Then Pilate said to the chief priests and crowds, I find no guilt in this man. But they kept on insisting, saying, he stirs up the people, teaching all over Judea, starting from Galilee, even as far as this place. Then Pilate, when Pilate heard it, He asked whether the man was a Galilean. And when he learned that he belonged to Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to Herod, who himself also was in Jerusalem at that time. Now Herod was very glad when he saw Jesus, for he had wanted to see him for a long time because he'd been hearing about him and was hoping to see some sign performed by him. And he questioned him at some length But Jesus answered him, nothing. And the chief priests and the scribes were standing there accusing him vehemently. And Herod with his soldiers, after treating Jesus with contempt and mocking him, dressed him in a gorgeous robe and sent him back to Pilate. (coughs) Hey, Mick, I'm going to need a beverage. Would that be all right if you get me a little drink? Just about that much water. That was our sign. I told him, hey, look. I told Mickey he could do it. You robbed his bless. You robbed his blessing. Next time, Mick, nobody's buying me lunch. <laughs> we left off at gorgeous robe. All right. 
dressed him, dressed Jesus in a gorgeous robe and sent him back to Pilate. Now Pilate, now Herod and Pilate became friends with one another that very day for before they had been enemies with each other. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, let this message challenge us to set aside our own personal opinions about Jesus Christ and determine that we will know the true Jesus as he is. Help us, Lord, as we examine this judgment upon Jesus as he stood before this high council in Jerusalem, as he stood before the governor Pilate, and as he stood before the Tetrarch Herod. Lord, give us the spiritual strengths to face our own false perceptions about Jesus based upon our personal bias and be determined to settle for nothing but an unprejudiced view of Jesus based upon the truth rather than personal opinion. And I pray, Lord, that each one of us will choose to know and to obey Jesus as he is, the only Savior, the only Lord, and our king. Amen. So there will be three I will never judge Jesus. So if you want to write these down, Stacy. Um, I will never judge Jesus as if he was an unnecessary interruption in my life. Repeat after me. I will never judge Jesus as if he was an unnecessary interruption in my life. In the previous chapter, chapter 22, they brought the council, gathered Jesus up after his arrest. And in chapter 23, they make a united decision to bring Jesus before the governor, Pontius Pilate. But as you remember from chapter 20, you guys remember chapter 20, right? This was their plan all along. Verse 20, so they watched Jesus and sent spies who pretended to be righteous in order that they might catch him in some statement so that they could deliver him to the rule and the authority of the governor. Of the governor, my wife's uncle, Pontius Pilate. My my wife's maiden name, she is Elizabeth Michelle Pilla, which in in Latin is Pilatus, which is exactly the word in this chapter in Greek, Pilatus. It is possible my wife is descended from Pontius Pilate. When I went to uh, Israel, they showed us the Pilate stone that was discovered in the 1960s that verified that, in fact, Pontius Pilate was the governor at that time. We, we saw a replica at Caesarea Maritima, and I let everybody know, that's my wife's great-grandfather. <laughs> He had to exist. If he didn't exist, I I wouldn't have a wife, right? I don't know if all that's true or not. But my my father-in-law did order the Pilla family coat of arms. That's an Italian name, okay, Pilla. It's it's very Italian. Uh, In fact, her DNA comes back 100% Italian on Ancestry.com, so don't mess with her. Um, He ordered a coat of arms. And I thought it would come back like with a shield and like two hands and a wash basin. (laughs) But it didn't. It had three spears. And if you look up uh, Pontius Pilate, the name means spear bearer. So maybe there's some truth to it. I don't know. 
Where was I at? Because the three charges. Let's look at these three charges briefly. The first charge that they that the Sanhedrin brings to Pilate is that he is misleading our people. And misleading the Jewish people is not really a a Roman government type of thing. Uh, Pilate is concerned about the peace of Israel, of Judea, it was called, but not so much about whether they, you know, are misled. So the second charge, though, opposing the payment of taxes to Caesar you know for a fact that that's a lie because as you recall in chapter 20, you do recall chapter 20. Is it lawful for us to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus detected their trickery and said to them, show me a denarius whose likeness and inscription does it have? They said, Caesar's. And he said to them, then render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and the things that are God." and to God the things that are God's. And they were unable to catch him in a saying in the presence of the people and being amazed at his answer, they became silent. So the second charge is absolutely false. It's a lie. The third charge. He says he is Christ a king. They don't say he is Christ the king. They say he says he is Christ a king. Where'd the word king come from? You guys just, two weeks ago, you looked at chapter 22. King is not up in the discussion. They, they want to know, are you the Messiah? Are, uh, do you say you're the son of God? That's the type of question they're giving him. They never brought up king. What they are doing right here is admitting, Rich, if Jesus is the Christ, he has the right to rule them. That's what they're admitting. Because they go to, they do spin. You guys know what spin is? It's, it's called uh, news. <laughs> uh, you take the fact and you make it mean what you kind of want it to mean, all right? You put your meaning over the top of it. And that's what they do completely through this beginning of this chapter. They're always adding their understanding and their meaning on top of Jesus. We can't do that. They, take a, they spin this to, to make it sound as if he's not the spiritual authority that he should be, but instead he's a political figure. Jesus is not a political figure. I will tell you this, Jesus does determine how I vote sometimes, but he's not a political figure. They were turning him into a rival against the Roman government by saying he's Christ, a king. Now, their opinion is not that Jesus is the Christ, the king, but that he is simply messing up their system. They had laws, they had regulations, they had the temple tax, they had all kinds of things that Jesus just kept messing with because Jesus was stirring the people up. He really was. This is our nation. Quit telling people all they have to do is love God and love each other. You're disrupting our control over the people. You're misleading the people. Jesus in Jerusalem to the Sanhedrin, to the council, had become an unnecessary interference in their daily business. And I believe this was their opinion. Let's eliminate Jesus because he is a disruption to our lives. 
Jesus has been a disruption in my life. He keeps saying, love God, love others, and I just want to be a selfish old man. And Jesus disrupts me from being so selfish. He says, that's not the way that you do it, Zach. We must be fully devoted to Jesus Christ, replacing my will with his will. At least on Sunday mornings, right? (laughs) It's not funny, but I like to joke with the staff. I said, you know, I'm going on vacation this uh, last week. I'm going on vacation and I don't have to serve Jesus this week. We need to stop going to church on Sundays. Like I said, church is not, this, is, this building's not a church. It's a building. The church is a group of people that love Jesus. Stop going to church and you'll stop just being a Christian on Sunday morning. Just be a follower of Jesus Christ instead of letting him interrupt your life. Oh, it's Sunday, I gotta go to church. Oh, it's Friday night, gotta go to prayer meeting. Things, don't let him interrupt your life. Let Jesus take it over and then get rid of all the other interruptions that prevent you from being, let's say the word, I'm gonna say it, Shelly. You tell Zach I said that, everyday disciple makers, all right? Let's do this. Are you guys with me? Let's do it. So let's look now at the governor Pontius Pilate's opinion of Jesus. Repeat after me. I will never judge Jesus as if he was someone else's king. Now, Pilate asks, are you the king of the Jews? The Jews. I'm not Jewish. Pilate is, he's Italian. He's Roman. So if you're a king, you're their king. You're not mine. Later on, you notice he says, wait, he's from Galilee? He's not my problem. Herod, <laughs> send him off. Pilate was that way. And you, and you know, later on, Zach's going to preach about the washing of hands. You know, it's not, he's not my problem. He's your, his blood be on you. Pilate was really good at squirming out of responsibilities. Um, he's someone else's king. And I, I have met people. I've sat, one time I sat in a pizza with a man who had this exact level of arrogance. I know why you guys are Christians. I know why you need a crutch to lean on like that. You're weak. And you think you need answers. And uh, what an arrogant way to talk, you know. It's okay if you have your Jesus. Just don't let him bother me. It's your Jesus. It's your problem. Now, ladies and gentlemen, Jesus is not a sort of a band-aid to patch up your life. If you are dead in trespasses and sins, and that's where I was, Dead because of sin. Separated from the life of God that is in Jesus Christ. You're dead. I don't need a crutch when I'm dead. Marvin, when I'm dead, you can bring crutches and hit me, pile them on. They won't help. If you're dead, what do you need? Not a crutch. You need a resurrection. If Jesus is not your king, you need a resurrection. You're still dead in your sins. 
and you need Jesus to be your king. So unexpectedly here, something happens. I don't think Pilate was ready to be put on the spot. Now, I don't see this as a problem because when I see this, I see Jesus standing on the wrong side of the judgment seat. I know Jesus as judge, as ruler, as authority, as king of kings and lord. I see that Pilate didn't. He's somebody else's king. I see Jesus standing on the wrong side. Jesus uh, will judge Pilate. Jesus puts him on the spot. Do you say this? Do you say that I am the king? And that's what I want to ask you. Do you say that Jesus is your king? Don't be satisfied in watching other people follow Jesus Christ, live for Jesus Christ every day of the week. This is the day for you to get on your knees. I am on my knees before God in submission every day of my life. This is the day for you to bow your knees, acknowledge the lordship, the control of Jesus over your life. Stop treating Jesus as if he's somebody else's king. They, the Sanhedrin brought, brought Jesus in before the Roman governor, like they planned all along, thinking somehow that Roman law superseded God's law. God's greater than any of us. If you can pass judgment, if you have an opinion you think that it affects Jesus, then who's God? People ask me, well, who made God? You know all the answers. I don't know all the answers. But if somebody made God, that means God's not God. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you have the right to disapprove of God, then he's not God. You haven't made him king. Jesus must be in control. He must be the manager. He must be the judge. He must be the authority to which I submit his words that I obey, not the other way around. So is Jesus your king? Does he rule your life? So... The third thing, is Jesus your king or is he just something to keep you from getting bored? Repeat after me. I will never judge Jesus as if he was merely an amusement. See, Pilate wanted to let Jesus go. That is not my problem. I don't find any legal charge against this guy. And the chief priests objected by saying, well, Jesus is stirring up the people all the way from Galilee to here. So if you picture Israel as the, the length of Indiana, Galilee would be like up north around, we'll, we'll say South Bend, all right? Mishawaka. And then just south of Lafayette, uh, that would be where Judea is. So they're saying not only down here in uh, Jerusalem, but up, up north too, if they pointed, I don't know which way north would be on an Israeli map. So That's when he hears, wait, you said Galilee. 
that's not there's there happens to be in town today Herod when Herod the Great died they, they chopped up his territory into like four parts and and Herod Antipas or Herod Antipater he re, he became a tetrarch a, a Roman ruler over a force of that and that included Galilee and Perea so he's in town he happens to be in Jerusalem it's not my problem let's send him over to Herod so this third opinion that of Herod Herod was very glad when he saw Jesus for he had wanted to see him for a long time because he'd been hearing about him and was hoping to see some sign performed by him in Luke chapter 9 Herod said I myself beheaded John who is this man about whom I hear such things? And he kept trying to see him. In this chapter, he wants Jesus to perform for him. I want to see him. Siri, I don't want you right now. Siri's trying to talk to me, so I'm just checking the time, and I'm not doing well, it looks like. So, um, Herod wanted Jesus to perform for him. Come on, do a sign for me. Amuse me, Jesus. And when Jesus could not pull a rabbit out of his hat or make it rain gold dust on him, then what? He puts a gorgeous robe on him and prances him back over to Pilate. If Jesus does not perform the way you tell him to, is he still Jesus? If Jesus does not do what you tell him to, is he still Lord? See, it didn't make any difference if Pilate thought he was king. It didn't make any difference if the Sanhedrin acknowledged him as king. Jesus is still the king. And it doesn't make, it will not change Jesus' kingship if you don't acknowledge him as king. It'd be better for you if you did. Now, Jesus can do an awful lot of things for me. Jesus can do miracles. How many of you believe that? I have seen it. But I don't follow Jesus because he can feed me loaves and fishes. Jesus can heal me. So Jesus can do some great stuff. I don't follow Jesus because, I, because he gives me stuff. Jesus can make me rich. Jesus can make me happy. Jesus blesses me. Jesus makes me feel good. This is uh, really, really close to me of wanting Jesus to be an amusement for you. It's really, really close to the bargaining that some people make. A man visited me one time. He said, I've uh, violated my parole. Pray that they'll let me off. I said, no. I said, no, let's pray that you will take responsibility for your violation of the law and you will serve Jesus Christ in jail. I think he still liked me after the prayer. And he did go to jail. I hope he's serving God in jail. Because you can, when you get in trouble, you can get, you know, that's when people pray, oh God, get me out of this spot I'm in now and I'll serve you forever. Jesus, perform for me, do a trick for me, and I'll follow you. I, I, 
just can't trust that relationship. If I was serving Jesus, what, what, you know, I can't do that. He's God, I'm not. So whether he performs what I ask or how I ask or in the way that I think he should, I actually like serving Jesus when he surprises me in the way that he performs things. It's, it's, it's beyond what I imagined, beyond what I expected. I don't know if you guys realize, I have a lot of fun following Jesus. It has been a blast. And if it wasn't for the things that Jesus has done for me, I wouldn't be here. I wouldn't be who he has transformed me to be. But Jesus is Lord. He is king. He's the judge. I don't follow him because of my own personal advantage or advancement, but just because he is God. So in conclusion, when I say in conclusion, that just means that we need some musicians in a minute. All right. I can still preach after they're up here. All right, that's all. I, don't, I can keep going on as long as I want. This is second service. <laughs> I must submit to Jesus as Lord, as King, as Judge. Herod was judging Jesus out of just selfish curiosity. And if you are a follower of Jesus just because you think he will provide some benefits, some amusement to your life, then you are not a true follower of Jesus Christ, the King. Pilate said Jesus is just someone else's problem. If you acknowledge Jesus is real, but he's somebody else's King, it doesn't do you any good at all. You're standing on the wrong side of the judgment seat. I don't want to judge Jesus. I want to know him as he is in his full authority over my life. I want to submit myself to his lordship. I want to obey him. The Sanhedrin judged Jesus as someone who disrupted uh, their nation. Look again at that first charge. Do you remember what it said in uh, this chapter? It said, we found this man misleading our people. If you live in the same nation that I live and it feels like people are going the wrong direction, I want Jesus to mislead me. I don't want to go that direction. I don't want that leadership. If you're like me and you fell into a habit of falling into sin through temptation, living in guilt, hopelessness, I want Jesus to mislead me, take me a different direction than that. If everybody I know is going the wrong way, I want Jesus to mislead me in the right direction. Jesus is not an interruption in life. Instead, Jesus is life your life has to belong to him your life your interests your hobbies your family your career your decisions your education totally surrendered to Jesus Christ my 
life is not to let Jesus interrupt it. My goal is to not have any interruptions that keep me from my obedience to my King, my Lord Jesus. That's total surrender, total grace in my life. If you agree with me, if you agree that you want Jesus to be king, not an interruption, not a music, you want him in control of your life, would you stand to your feet and raise a hand to God? Pray in your heart in your own way. Surrender any area of your life that you've held back. Surrender any ideas at all of Jesus doing things your way. Commit yourself to examining the scriptures to find out who Jesus really is. Getting to know him. Spending extravagant time with him. As our friend says. Lord Jesus, we surrender our lives. All that I am, all that I have, all that I will be. My future is in your hands, God. And I give myself completely to you. God, I don't deserve anything from you. And yet you blessed me. So I stand in your grace. I live in your grace with a grateful heart. Amen. Let's sing together.